speaking judgment against them. For my people are foolish. They do not know me. They are stupid children. They have no understanding. They are skilled in doing evil, but do not know how to do good. I looked on the earth, and lo, it was waste and void. And to the heavens, and they had no light. I looked on the mountains, and lo, they were quaking. And all the hills moved to and fro. I looked, and lo, there was no one at all. And all the birds of the air fled. I looked, and lo, the fruitful land was a desert, and all its cities were laid in ruins before the Lord, before his fierce anger. For thus says the Lord, the whole land shall be a desolation, yet I will not make a full end. Because of this the earth shall mourn, and the heavens above grow black, for I have spoken. I have proposed. I have not relented, nor will I turn back. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the church.
until he finds it. When he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders and rejoices. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so, I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine righteous persons who need no repentance. Or what woman, having lost ten silver coins, if she loses one of them, having ten silver coins, if she loses one of them, does not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? When she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I had lost. Just so, I tell you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God, the one sinner who repents. The Gospel of the Lord. Jesus doesn't have to work very hard at it, it seems. 
They're upset with him a lot. Because he always just steps over the line. He doesn't seem to understand. And this time they're upset because he is eating with tax collectors in the sinners. Now, it is probably good for us to recall that the Pharisees were people who were trying to believe religious values. The way that they're portrayed in the Gospels, uh, we can, I think, often think of them simply as those evil people who were always opposed to Jesus. But in reality, they were lay people who were not under the administration of the temple, who were trying to enrich So they wanted to see life live as a good Jew in everyday life as best as we could. And I often thought if I had lived in it, I think I probably would have been more drawn to be like Pharisees than to be one of the followers of Jesus. But yet, because of the way that the Pharisees have been portrayed, over the centuries, Christians have, or the persecuted Jews, and we need to keep that in mind. These were faithful people, the Pharisees. They just simply wanted to live by the law as best they could power. And they wanted others to also have an experience of that so they too could be righteous. Well, Jesus is found eating with uh, these pastors and with the sinners. And the Pharisees are upset about it and they grumble. Jesus hears it from and that's when he tells us the parable. I should mention a couple of things as well about the, uh, about the tax collectors. Tax collectors were the ones who would collect the tariffs or the, the duty that was due in a community. And they really made their money by what they could store over and above what the tax was. So nobody cared much for tax collectors. And we don't care much more today either. Anybody who saw that person knew they were a sinner. And that's why they're called out as sinners in this world. So Jesus is eating as table fellowship with people who are seen as completely unrighteous. And the Pharisees are disturbed by them. And Jesus tells these two parables in response to the Pharisees. The first is the parable of the shepherd has a uh, hundred sheep. Now that was an enormous number of sheep. It must have been a very wealthy shepherd because most shepherds cared for only five to maybe a dozen sheep. This shepherd had a hundred sheep. And one of them wandered off and was lost. And Jesus says that the shepherd left the ninety-nine in the wilderness and went off to find the ninety-nine. And then he says when Shepherd finds the sheep, brings it back over his shoulders, and rejoices. And he invites his neighbors and his friends to come and rejoice with him because the one that was lost. And then in the second parable, he talks about the woman. And this woman had ten coins. Perhaps they were coins that had holes in them, more around her neck on a necklace. And one of 
Jesus ends each of them by saying that there's more trouble in heaven over one sinner than over 99 righteous. Now there are a couple of things about these parables that are a bit uh, disturbing, I think. One is that coins can't sin, neither can she. So how do they repent? And another thing, that if uh, the shepherd and the woman are images of God, the shepherd in particular is pretty irresponsible. He leaves 99 in the wilderness where they're vulnerable and goes after the one. Whenever we read the parables, hopefully there will always be some things about them that will go unanswered. Because there are just some things we can't get the answer to. And I think parables especially bring that up in us. We study it and we think about what this means to me, what might it mean to the Christian community, what did it mean then? And there'll still be some unanswered questions. Clearly, these parables are about repentance. Jesus basically says so. But it's obviously about a slightly different understanding of repentance than we usually have. In his book, uh, Finding the Lost, Kenneth Bailey offers a definition of repentance that I think can be helpful in understanding this. He writes, the only possible action in this story which could constitute repentance is the finding of the loss. Repentance, therefore, may be defined as our acceptance of being found. And then he goes on, it's our acceptance of the reality that God has found us in Jesus Christ, and we acknowledge our lostness. Repentance, seen from this perspective, is accepting the grace and the love of God. I think one of the hardest things for us to do in Christian life is to believe that God can truly love us. I think many of us, at various times, said to ourselves, if people really knew me, they wouldn't think I was a very good Christian, or they wouldn't think I was a very good person at all. The truth is that God really does know you, and God loves you. And not just that, but God forgives all that you've done, that you are ashamed of, or that is broken in your life. God wants nothing more than wholeness. So this idea, I think, of God's action, of God extending love, of God searching for us, of God looking for us when we're lost, it's only limited by our ability to accept that we be found. God is found. God loves you. Forgive you. But I think sometimes we focus too much on personal repentance and personal salvation. Because I think Jesus is saying something that's perhaps broader than that in these parables. Remember, he's addressing the Pharisees. And he seems to acknowledge that they're righteous. So I don't think he has any trouble with the fact that they are trying to live a righteous life. But what he seems to be pointing to is their incompleteness. Remember that in Scripture, the numbers 9 and 99 are number 10 and number 100 are complete. So Jesus seems to be 
saying to the Pharisees, you are incomplete. You're incomplete because the tax collectors and the sinners have not yet claimed You have rejected them. They have been ostracized. And if you look at Jesus' ministry over and over and over again, he reaches out to the ones that are ostracized. He eats with them. And he invites them to become part of his community. So I think that part of the message of these two parables for us is for the church to always be cognizant of the fact that we are incomplete. As long as there are those out there that we might be uncomfortable having here. So this morning I asked myself and I would ask you, who is it in your life who you would not invite to be a part of this fellowship? Who is it you would be uncomfortable with if they were here? And I think that's what Jesus was trying to point out to the Pharisees. That they needed to open their fellowship. They needed to stop worrying about drawing all those lines, and they needed to invite others in. My dear friends, I think that is the good news. The good news is that we have been found. The good news is that we are loved. The good news is that the God we worship will do almost anything in order to find us, to hold us, Comfort us, bless us.
God, we pray for your holy Catholic Church. In the Anglican cycle of prayer, we pray for the Diocese of Sokoto in Kaduna, Nigeria, for Justin, Archbishop of Canterbury, and for unity in the worldwide Anglican communion. In our diocesan cycle of prayer, we give thanks for the ministries of St. James Church Somerville, St. Peter's Church South Dartmouth, Christ Church South Hamilton, the Brotherhood of St. Gregory, and the Deans of the Diocese. Grant that every member of the Church may truly and humbly serve you.
Have compassion on those who suffer from any grief or trouble. Give to the departed eternal rest. We pray for the repose of the souls of Eric Brimelson, brother of Gaylord Brimelson, and Dustin Morton, nephew of David Wisner. Are there others? We praise you for your saints who have entered into joy. Let us pray for our own needs and those of others. Lord Jesus Christ, you said to your apostles, Peace I give you, my own peace I leave with you. Regard not our sins, but the faith of your church, and give to us the peace and unity of that heavenly city, where with the Father and the Holy Spirit you live and reign now and forever. Amen. Let us confess our sins against God and our neighbor.
Today we give you thanks for these children, and we ask you to bless them with curiosity, understanding, and respect. May their backpacks be assigned to them that they have everything they need to learn and grow this year in school and in church school. May they be guided by your love. All this we ask in the name of Jesus, who as a child of the temple showed his longing to learn about you and as an adult taught by story and example your great love for us. Amen.
your only and eternal Son, to share our human nature, to live and die as one of us, to reconcile us to you, the God and Father of all. He stretched out his arms upon the cross and offered himself in obedience to your will, a perfect sacrifice for the whole world. On the night he was handed over to suffering and death, our Lord Jesus Christ took bread. And when he gave thanks to you, he broke it and gave it to his disciples and said, Hey, eat. This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. After supper, he took a cup of wine. And when he had given thanks, he gave it to them and said, Drink this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you and for all, for the forgiveness of sins. Whenever you drink it, do this in remembrance of me. Therefore, we proclaim the mystery of faith.
blessing of God 